Hello, I'm Karen Pascal. I'm the Executive Director of the Henry Nowen Society. Welcome to a new episode of Henry Nowen, Now and Then. Our goal at the Nowen Society is to extend the rich spiritual legacy of Henry to audiences around the world. Each week, we endeavor to bring you a new interview with someone who's been deeply influenced by the writings of Henry, or perhaps even a recording of Henry himself. We invite you to share the daily meditations and these podcasts with your friends and family. Through them, we can continue to reach our spiritually thirsty world with Henry's writings, his encouragement, and of course, his reminder that each of us is a beloved child of God. Now, let me take a moment to introduce today's guest. Gabrielle Earnshaw was Henry Nowen's archivist for 16 years at the University of St. Michael's College. Today, she is the Henry Nowen Legacy Trust archivist and consultant. Gabrielle co-edited the book, Turning the Wheel, Henry Nowen and Our Search for God. She also is the editor of many very important books drawn from Henry Nowen's writings. Gabrielle assembled Love Henry, the first book of Nowen's letters. Then she edited You Are the Beloved, Daily Meditations for Spiritual Living. And most recently, she was the editor of the book Following Jesus, Finding Our Way Home in an Age of Anxiety. Recently, I read a beautiful article Gabrielle had written addressing the question of what has Henry Nouwen to offer to us in the midst of this pandemic. She delved into Nouwen's classic, The Return of the Prodigal Son, to see if there were things Henry discovered and shared in this book that would serve us well in this crisis we're embroiled in. Gabrielle, what did you discover? What did you find that was helpful for us today in Henry's Return of the Prodigal Son? Well, you know, it was an interesting exercise to go back to a book that I have read very carefully um, over the years, a book that I feel like I know very well, but to read it again through the lens of the pandemic it brought um, certain themes more to more to the forefront, and I was able to draw connections between what I'm living right now, what we're living right now, and what Henry was living um, all those years ago. Uh, you might remember that his book actually starts in 1983, so it's a long time ago um, from here in, in 2020. But in 1983, he sees a poster of Rembrandt's painting of the return of the prodigal son, Jesus's parable, the return of the prodigal son. And then he enters into a nine-year, what he calls, spiritual adventure with this painting. And um, and the book outlines, you know, some of the ways that the, that the painting was able to transform the way he lived his life, the way he lived his life from a very um, sort of nervous, restless, um, self-rejecting person into somebody who who dared to say, I would like to become not just a sort of a, a returning child to God, which is the, what the parable is about, but also to, to actually be like the father in the parable and in the painting, which meant being a very loving person. And I think... Um, I think that's the primary thing I it just underscored for me is that this pandemic is is asking us to to really look inwards and and say what is what is a priority for me right now what is what is it 
that I'm being called to right now. And I think a lot of us are hearing that we're being called to love and love um, meaning being kind, being patient, being generous, being forgiving. Um, you know, our our society, our world is is in a lot of pain right now. And the more of us that can claim that love and be love, I think the more um, we can transform this pandemic into something um, that possibly might might be healing for the world. What do you find that, you know, as we look out and we see, in a sense, the fear that's there and we see the reality of being forced into, into isolation, what do you find people in a sense, naturally doing, in a sense, um, busying themselves with or whatever, because yes, this might be the deeper journey, but what do we tend to do that may be something we have to identify and then make some other choices? Exactly. Exactly. I think that uh, myself included, um, you know, the, the, some of the ideas is to distract ourselves from the pain that we're actually part of here in this world. I mean, the world was aching before the pandemic started. We were in already a, a climate emergency, and today is is Earth Day. And I I think that, you know, we, we've already been, in a way, in a, in a, in a mourning period, in a grieving period for, for the world that is the Earth, that is in, in um, so much jeopardy. And now we add in the pandemic, which is adding a lot of suffering um, at a, on a very, very real, visceral level for a lot of people. And I think it's human nature to try to distract ourselves, to try to, um, you know, find things that are funny or, you know, to, to, to connect with people. And all of that is very good. I, I think Henry would um, might caution us with, with being... Distracting ourselves too much, and and that in fact perhaps just you know he he talks about homecoming, and we can use homecoming as a nice metaphor. But I mean, hi, homecoming can mean coming home to ourselves, and maybe at times during the day, during our days, um, instead of choosing to distract ourselves, um, we might choose to just spend some time in stillness. And stillness might also include silence. And when we're when we're um, just choosing stillness and silence, um, we might then sort of turn our attention from our thoughts and from our worries and our anxiety and turn towards what Henry calls presence. And and uh, for Henry, presence was in us and all around us. And and we have a we can we can be attuned to presence at all times, but it 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 does help to to be still and to be quiet and to spend to carve out some time in our days for presence for for listening to God, listening to and and that can also you know there's lots of words for God and and one of them is love. So listening to love. Um, one thing that Henry's book, The Return of the Prodigal Son, um, that was a bit Whenever I read it, I'm always I always have to remind myself that yes, the parable is is as much about um, us returning to home, returning to our home base, our home plate of love, but it's also about receiving love. Um, Henry Henry, as uh, as a lot of people who 
who know him um, and read him understand he he was a person who had a propensity for self rejection he often felt like he wasn't good enough or that he had to kind of make himself you know i don't know more successful or more uh more followers <laughs> um than than he had he ha- he had a at his core he had this this um this this self understanding that often felt like it was not worthy and the the nine year spiritual adventure that he outlines in the prodigal son is really about him claiming his goodness claiming his worthiness and and that involved him like the younger son in the parable of receiving god's love and you know sort of it, you know in the in the painting and in the parable the the son is kneeling at at his father's um you know, with his head on his father's chest. And there's there's a kind of way that we, too, need to stop running around and looking for things and actually just um, come back and receive God's love. You know, Henry's got this wonderful way of saying, you know, um, all the time, to- for most of my life, I've been out there looking for God when all the time God was looking for me. And that's, and that's about homecoming, right? Like, that's about coming oh, yeah. back yeah. to ourselves. And I think that this pandemic as anxiety producing as it is um with real concrete worries for people um we we can also make that a discipline make that a practice of of spending time with god and receiving god's love i love your uh, i love your phrase there about carving out time or empty space for god but it's interesting in that image if we if we just focus on that first image of the uh if, if people see the picture by the way we will have that on our website that you can go and see that picture if you if you're not familiar with the picture that inspired henry it's important for you to see this image there is this beautiful beautiful Rembrandt image and the and the sun is just kneeling in I think the word that occurs to me is exhaustion and I think there's a certain level of exhaustion right now that we're all facing with the Mm -hmm. pandemic we're all Mm -hmm. there's a kind of flurry within us because we don't even know where we're headed and we're weary of everything that it's demanding of us and yet it's demanding more and you've got this figure collapsed in a way and just receiving the fact that the father loves that child, that mm-hmm. child that, that ran away, you know, that child mm-hmm. that left and rejected and said, I don't want any part of you. You know, when you apparently when you ask for your inheritance before the father dies, you're really basically saying, I wish you were dead, Dad. So, I mean, there he is. This kid is coming back and just wants to be, you know, a servant in that household because he knows his father treats the servants better than he's been treated. But there we are. That is a profound image. Um, is there more that you want to explore in that? Or can you also help us understand some of the other images that you think speak to where we, what we're going through right now? Well, I guess there's one thing about the the younger son, if we want to stay with him a little bit longer. I mean, he he had he had essentially followed his his passion, right? He had yeah, yeah he had he had said to his father, "I want my money uh, now. Give it to me now," which um, which is akin to to saying that his father 
he didn't mind if his father died. He wanted the money now. He went out and he followed his passion and he was, um, you know, for a while he had a really good time. Um, but then eventually the money runs out and he has to think about where, you know, how is he going to live from now on? And that's, you know, that could be a parallel to what we're living as well in terms of uh, uh, as a society, have we been squandering the resources that we've been given? Um, and I'm, I am referring specifically to to the Earth's um, plenitude. And have we been, um, as a society, as humanity, have we been uh, taking it for granted and exploiting it uh, too long? And, and is this moment, this pandemic moment, the time that we that we're sort of stopped in our tracks and can we um, sort of look beyond the fear move beyond the fear and and ask is this a moment that I can come to my senses like the like the younger son he has to come to his senses and when he does he starts that journey back home and I think that that's where you know we might we might think about how could I begin my journey back home that my journey back home to goodness and to um and to to being being con being conscious of of all, how all of our actions impact the, the interconnected web of life that's good that's really good i i just i, I love that image that it's important for us to realize that the father longs for the child to come home there's no, where have you been? What have you been up to? Give mm -hmm. me an account of what you did. Mm -hmm. There's none of that. It's mm -hmm. I'm so glad you're back. And I think that was what I found so rich in Henry when I, when I had the opportunity to interview him about this. It was just that I'm so glad you're back. I'm so glad you're back. And that <laughs> God doesn't meet us with judgment and what have you been up to, but he meets us with a welcome that says, you're my beloved. You're my mm -hmm. child, and I want you back. Tell me about the... Uh, the older brother. Did you get anything from that that serves us well? Oh, the older brother. I mean, uh, um, I for a book I'm I'm I, I wrote about the the return of the prodigal son. I read through a lot of um, letters that Henry Nowen received uh, from readers, and um, I didn't do a, an exact poll, but it most of the people who were writing to him were saying I really relate to the older son. Um, some people related to the younger son, but most people related to the older son because he's the one who, who's dutiful. He's the one who did, you know, followed the rules, did everything right, um, and, you know, was was stuck by his father when the younger son abandoned him, rejected him. And and yet, as Henry now and Rembrandt, um, if I, I love the, the way that you suggested that people look at this actual painting because the way that it's painted, you know, the, the older son is outside the main pool of light you know he the younger son is kneeling um uh with his head on the chest of, of his father and the older son is looking on with his hands clasped in front of him um you know kind of like a shield and he's he is no closer to being home than the younger son he's yeah. he is actually imprisoned by his own resentment and his bitterness at his younger brother and and i and i just wonder if like I know within myself, I I consider myself quite a dutiful person. You know, I've done all the right things. I feel like anyway, and um, but I, but some at at some point, you know, the way that Henry writes about this um, painting in the parable is it, it it asks me to ask where where have I become uh, 
you know, judgmental and and bitter around other people. And where is that holding me in a in a kind of a a vice grip? And because the, yeah, the the way that Rembrandt has painted him, he's very stiff. Um, he he really he can't he can't celebrate that his brother is back. You know, this is not good news for him. And that's a that's a that means that his heart has become constricted. And I think as people who are trying to live, um, you know, in the in 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 Jesus, you know, following Jesus's example, our our hearts are meant to be open. And if there's any part of ourselves that can identify where we're constricted and then work towards opening it, I think that that that's going to add to the 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 love in the world. And I think that that's what Jesus' parable is asking us to consider, you know, where are our hearts constricted and making it impossible to love people, to forgive people, um, you know, to step over our wounds. Where, where, how do we live our wounds? Um, Sue Mosteller once said to me that, or I heard her say that, you know, Jesus, Jesus was wounded in life and he left life whole. He left life loving. And I think that that's what we're called to as well. So the older son, um, or he could be the the older daughter, um, is really calling us to to step over our wounds so that we can join join this sort of rush of of love for our for humanity, for animals, for for nature. It's returning back to our loving nature I think it's interesting because I think one of the things that inhibits us in that is being right you know so convinced we're right and it's interesting because what that image really releases is the power of forgiveness forgiveness starts everything back at the beginning and all of us long for all sorts of parts of our life to have been erased so we could start with a clean slate a really clean Mm -hmm. slate and the father offers a clean slate to the the son that ran away but i think there's a clean slate for the one who got so caught up in being right and uh became so rigid that there was no room for anything else um it, it it's quite powerful tell me about the father in the image because i think it's interesting that ultimately henry gets called to be the father and that is profound for all of us because we can't even vision that that our gift is to welcome others home yeah i, I think that that that's the that's the great challenge of of the book as well. I, I mean, and I think that all of us right now are called into that in a very direct way because um, I think I think a lot of us are being called to to step into spiritual adulthood. So you know, to stop being the children. Um, as important as that is, that is, I mean, Henry does say this in the book that it's very important that we claim our sonship and our daughtership, meaning we claim our identity as sons and daughters of God and that that we claim our belovedness. That's very important. Um, But then there is this next challenge that did take Henry now in a very long time to get to, so I don't want to put too much pressure on any of us, but um, it is to become the mother-father, to become, uh, in in a way, what 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 is a mother what is a father what is god god is is a generative creative loving forgiving presence 
and that's what we're called to. And and Henry specifically spoke about blessing, being a source of blessing. And by that he meant that we lift other people up. And he goes so far to say, and to not expect anything in return. Um, so that's why in in the last uh, sort of quarter of the book, when he is speaking about being the father, he, there's a lot of that chapter is about how difficult this is, because we, we do live in a um, you know, there's a kind of reciprocity that we expect from, you know, I give you something and you give me something back. And that really is, uh, there's a transactional quality to human love. And Henry is, is being called and he accepts the call and then he asks us to accept the call of of being more in a kind of God's way of loving, which is to bless people without expecting anything in return. And I think the pandemic... I think that there's, as uh, it's very important. I think um, you know that he Henry Nouwen suggests three, three ways of being uh, um, able to claim this call to being mother, father, and and to be that source of compassion. And he has three ways. And the one way is to have a discipline of grieving, which I think is is really applicable to today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know that we that we acknowledge and we spend time in lamentation. Our prayers can be, um, there can contain um, lamentation, the Psalms. Um, you know, uh, I'm finding myself turning to the Psalms because there's there's this sort of, why God, why God? And I think that we, um, you know, we can, we can give time over to, to grieving and, um, and then the other thing that the second of the three is that we be forgiving. And you, you've mentioned that is that we, you know, that we, we have a practice of forgiveness. Forgiveness is very, very difficult. Um, and, and of course, Henry wouldn't be saying, you know, becomes, you know, accept any kind of, you know, physical or psychological harm. He's not talking about that. Um, he, but he is saying that there's a, there, there are places in our lives that we can forgive. I mean, when in the story of his in his book that he, which was a very pivotal moment, is when he forgave his father for not being the father he wanted, <laughs> and you know he is, he'd spent pretty much his entire adult life wishing that his father loved him in the way that he needed to be loved, and um, after a a very severe um, accident in which he was in a in a precarious uh, sort of life or death state, he came out of the out of the accident with this real desire to forgive his father. And when he did, that's when he was able to really consider being the father in the parable, to being the compassionate mother father. Um, and then the third the third aspect that Henry um, says helps us to be come compassionate people, people who can really feel the suffering of the world and enter into it, is to be generous. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it means generous with our time, with our gifts, and of course with our resources. And generosity, kindness, um, warmth, you know, these this is this is what will generate um, transformation in our world. And um, and I think that those, you know, maybe those would help all of us who are who who want who see the value and the importance of stepping into our spiritual maturity, into our adulthood, um, to 
to do that. I wonder if another ingredient in that is actually gratitude. And it's hard yeah. right now to be grateful. It's like mm. it's like it's a, it's a fresh beginning in our lives. It was mm-hmm. easy to be grateful for all we have. There are mm-hmm. people right now facing losses beyond what I can even imagine, and I my heart just goes out to them. We're all we're all trying to find our footing on on ground that seems to be shifting underneath us. But yeah. I do think there's a an incredible power in 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 a gratitude for the smallest of things, and. Yeah. Um, and then being, being great resources of love to other people and, to, and yeah. resources that are, if we can be resources in physical ways, wonderful. If we're limited because we're not allowed outside our doors, uh, certainly we can be so supportive of all those who are making life go on for us right now in such an amazing way, whether they're the people that are across from us when we go and buy, buy groceries or, or they're the person that's caring for someone we love in a hospital set- setting right now we have um we have there aren't really words that make this time make a lot of sense but we are all in there together that we know i yeah. was curious about something that i wanted to ask you about and that was um what part did reading the bible have in henry's life and how did he read it and are there any lessons in that for us that we might find useful right now I'm thinking about how, like there's a word Lectio Divina, but I don't know if everybody knows what that means, but how did Henry read the Bible? Like, I think he did it daily, but what did he do with a passage? What, what, how did he approach it? Uh, um, well, yeah, you're right. I think that he, I think that he used Lectio Divina, um, which is, which is taking, uh, scripture or passages from the Bible and reading them very slowly, um, repetitively, and then and then allowing the words, the meaning of the words, to descend from the head to the heart. So it's a it's a kind of meditation. It's a kind of um, sort of rolling rolling those those words around in your heart and seeing which ones. Um, you know, sort of have have resonance. I think Henry did that um, with scripture. So he 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 entered into the scripture as though he was as though he was walking around in the passage with the people who were there. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's a, a book that I recently edited of Henry's uh, a talk that he gave. Called, um, and it's called Following Jesus. And in that he he does a lot of this. Um, where he gives gives us really good examples of how to enter into a scriptural passage. So um, you know he'll he'll say you know get in there, be be each person in in the in the passage. So I mean the the book, the Prodigal Son, the Return of the Prodigal Son, is actually um, Lexio Divina and Visio Divina because Visio Divina is when you take an image and you do the same type of thing you you don't you don't look at it and analyze it so much as gaze at it and internalize it and kind of ask questions like how does this relate to my own experience and in fact the return of the prodigal son is is a master class in how to to do this with both the the uh the written parable but then also how rembrandt um painted it and how then henry is able to see it so it really is 
um, you know, with the parable, he 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 becomes each of the people. We didn't talk about the, um, you know, he talks about the observers. There are uh, Rembrandt painted a few people sort of uh, lurking in the background, and they're watching this um, reunion, this return home. And and Henry Henry um, places himself as each of these observers and what are what are they seeing and what are what are what are what's happening inside their own hearts and souls so that's i think um henry had both he used his imagination a lot i think he would encourage us all to use our imagination to to um try to enter as as much as we can our whole person into a scriptural passage i liked what he said once that um you know often that the word that really it resonated with him in his morning prayer he would he would take it and and kind of place it in an inner chamber of his heart i kind of think of it like a, an inner library or an inner you know reading room and and the word would be there and he said that um then throughout his day that word would somehow have meaning for other people he would meet people and and that word would be so on his heart that somehow that um, and he found that the people coming to see him or asking him for spiritual direction would would be fed by that word as well. So there's a kind of way that the word can kind of incubate in mm-hmm. in us. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's some of how he read. I mean, he also <laughs> was mm-hmm. a scholar and 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 you know um, <laughs> did a, did a lot of reading himself. But in terms of his morning prayer um, and his evening prayer, I think that's how he used scripture for his own spiritual development there was another um there's another idea that i think you might help me understand and that's the idea of spending useless time or <laughs> a, a uselessness of of our time how did how did henry tell me a little bit about that i i don't quite understand it yeah i i love i love that about how he how he would say this to you know a classroom full of harvard harvard divinity school students and um you know people i, I would say and i put myself in this in, in this um same group i mean we, we've been told that we need to be uh you know successful we need to be productive we need to you know have a to-do list in the morning and then at the end of it we we you know we we can check out. We can see that we've checked off our all of our things on our to-do list. Um, we're very task-oriented, um, step-oriented. You know, five steps to losing weight and all of that. Um, so when Henry says that we should be useless um, in front of God and with God, I mean, he is he's he is so countercultural, and he and he knows exactly what he's saying. Um, I he he himself was. A person who strove to be relevant. He strove to be, you know, to have to have, you know, his book on the New York Times bestseller list. I mean, let he absolutely was a driven person. But what he came to understand was that God and Jesus are calling us to something very different, very different. And and one one step in that is to get off of the, you know, the productivity um train and just step off of it and and be be completely 
still. I think it does have to do with stillness. I think it has to do with solitude. So there's this idea that we spend time alone with God. Um, there's nobody. Uh, Henry also talks about hiddenness, the hidden life of Jesus, and the hidden life that we can also adopt. Of you know, this is not something that we do for to, to look good in other people's eyes. This is where we're literally just resting. You 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 uh, mentioned resting at the beginning, and and I think that it's very very important for us to think about the uh, that rest as a as a priority and that we rest we rest in the hands of God where uh, I Richard Rohr once um, said that for him prayer and meditation is climbing into the lap of God and uh, I just love that image because again you know babies especially and even little children they don't when they're sitting in their in their caregiver's lap you know they're they're resting and they're just being and and it's a beautiful state to witness and we love being around toddlers and babies because of that animals tend to do it as well and i think henry is encouraging us to to just be to just rest be useless and he's using that word useless in a very you know with a lot of consciousness knowing that our society is telling us at all times to be useful <laughs> and that, you know, if we haven't had a youthful, if we haven't sort of contributed to society that day, then, you know, what what were we doing? Um, I think it has to relate to his, uh, the concept of fruitfulness, um, which, you know, at the, when he talks about aging and, and, and consciously aging, he's talking about, you know, thinking about our lives as being fruitful in that, in that after we've died, after we're completely useless, after we're completely hidden, will our lives bear fruit? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how, how will the love we shared, how will the forgiveness we offered, how will the blessings we gave bear fruit into, for, 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 for future um, humanity? I think that that's all tied into that idea of being useless, well, it's funny, the, some of us are experiencing a sense of uselessness imposed upon us. We can't go to work, or mm-hmm. we can't go at our door. We can't mm-hmm. visit with the people we want to visit with in person. Mm-hmm. I've been experiencing something personally that has been very powerful for me. The start of my career was as an artist, and I had a studio, and for the first kind of 10 years of my becoming, story of my becoming, uh, that, uh, that studio was the place where I created, but it was also in the midst of that, the place where I really met God in a very, very intimate way. It was, it was profound for me and it became an intimacy that, uh, you know, I I cherished. Then I went into the world of producing of all things. I went like it was from black and white, you know, I went into producing a daily live 90 minute broadcast, if you can believe it. I mean, dropped into the deep end of the pool. And I remember after sort of getting into the buzz of all of that, I remember at some point coming back to my studio and just weeping because I missed the -hmm. intimacy with God. I missed the quiet. And somehow for the first time in the last few days, that came back to me that there is blessing in this slowdown. There is there is something. Now, I'm not somebody now who has little kids who need to be entertained and I can't even compare my life. I, I mean, I have this maybe good fortune, bad fortune of having that kind of quiet. 
But it's interesting because I think there is the possibility of a reset. But I think the reset is not going back to something. It's not going back to my studio. But is entering into what God is offering me now. And it is obviously a profound moment to decide, will I seek the face of God? Will I seek intimacy with God? And recognizing what you have shared uh, and what Henry found that that father, that God image is so welcoming and so willing to take us home. And ultimately, we have the power to become that to the world that we is counting on hearing from us. Um, yeah, that, that I th- I, I'm sharing some of that. I, too, don't have young children who are needing um, all of my attention. And um, I think that, you know, that the word loneliness uh, is... A lot of people are feeling lonely um, and isolated. And Henry Henry has a book called Reaching Out, a very early book. And one of the chapters is, you know, con, um, the movement from loneliness to solitude. And I, and I think that that some of the wisdom in that book is applicable here too. I mean, we can see our 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 you know our lives that have become much smaller than they usually are we have a lot more alone time a lot a, a lot more time to fill some people are finding it hard even to fill all of the hours of the day um but can we can we convert that can we see this as a moment of conversion um from loneliness to solitude so solitude is where where we are um i think in henry's way of understanding it we are we are in the presence of God, like you've just said, and that we're not we're not alone and lonely, but we are alone and in the presence of God, and that we can that we can sort of in time um, and perhaps when this pandemic is over, and in fact, I'm already anticipating a little bit of how hard this might be for me is that because I have so much time now to be in the presence of God, carving out the time. Um, Will I will my life fill up again, and will I then uh, again start to just being um, busy and distracted and um, and I think that in a way this pandemic is asking us that question. You know, what are what when it's over, how will how will we be? And we're we're being asked that individually as well as as a, as a society, as a world. Um, you know, how, what do we want? to um the world to be like when this when this is over how do i want what do i want to be like when this is over and um and i think one way of of being um creative creative with this with this time and um you know we've got a lot more time to be attentive to the people in our lives we've got a lot more time to be attentive to the beauty all around us and appreciation for for the for the beauty of the earth. Um, and I hope that some of those things will be what we'll be able to carry forward. Thank you, Gabrielle. I always love interviewing you. You are so full of ideas and you, you bring a depth of insight into the writings and teachings of Henry Nowen. But beyond that, I really can, love your honesty. Can, can, one thing uh, that I wanted to make sure I, I spoke about, because I think it's a really important part of the book, and I think it applies to us. And you've already mentioned um gratitude the the discipline of on the practice of gratitude and how important that is 
um, in order to be loving people, we need to be grateful people. And another thing that I that I, I think you'll appreciate too as a way to end this is is the way that Henry speaks about the importance of celebration. And the reason why I think it's so important to mention is because I, a lot of us would think that this is the, the very last moment that we need to be celebrating. You know, that we'll celebrate when it's over. We'll celebrate when we've got a vaccine. Um, but the... But Henry is saying the, the, the exact opposite, and I wondered if I could just read a passage um, from the book that I, I think might might um, might be a source of, of hope and possibly inspiration for people. Would that be okay? It's oh, yes, please, please do it, yes. So it's on page 108. So he says, I don't have to wait until all is well, but I can celebrate every little hint of the kingdom that is at hand. This is a real discipline. It requires choosing for the light, even when there is much darkness to frighten me. Choosing for life, even when the forces of death are so visible. And choosing for the truth, even when I am surrounded with lies. I am tempted to be so impressed by the obvious sadness of the human condition that I no longer claim the joy manifesting itself in many small but very real ways. The reward of choosing joy is joy itself. Living among people with mental disabilities has convinced me of that. There is so much rejection, pain, and woundedness among us. But once you choose to claim the joy hidden in the midst of all suffering, life becomes celebration. Joy never denies the sadness, but transforms it to a fertile soil for more joy. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Gabrielle. This has been so interesting. You're welcome. In the weeks to come, I look forward to interviewing Gabrielle again because she has a new book coming out called Return of the Prodigal Son, The Making of a Spiritual Classic. This book gives us wonderful biographical insights into Henry Nouwen, insights that I've never been aware of before. The book will be launched on May 12th, so watch for it and be sure and join us when we do a podcast exploring the contents of this great new book by Gabrielle Earnshaw. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more resources related to today's program, click on the links on the podcast page of our website. You can find additional content and book selections. Thanks for listening. Until next time.